When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, official write that down prediction an hour before the segment just to get on the record Let's here. Let's do that. Because mm-hmm. World Cup is back today. Mm-hmm. I know Judd cares quite a bit. I do. Um, I like soccer just fine. Luis Suarez will score a goal against France today for Uruguay. Okay, write that down. But Luis will he bite Suarez. an opponent? Will he come back and bite an opponent like he did last World Cup? I don't think he's done. I think he's more mature now. Four I don't years like this, more Luis mature. Suarez. He's no fun. Although as the pressure starts to mount, it's possible yep. the teeth come out. He'll go back to his old <laughs> habits. Exactly right. Uh, all right. I was. Uh, I sat in some baller seats last night. We'll we'll talk about that. Ding. Here. Fouls way under the basket, got the double team from Lavender, and oh, able to score. No one has more rebounds in the history of this league than the veteran Rebecca Brunson, Glenn Taylor, the majority owner of both the Timberwolves and the Lynx there to give Rebecca a hug and the ball. And what a career. For the 15-year pro out of Georgetown University and Austin, Sometimes <clears throat> rebounding kind of like you get tired of doing it because no one really appreciates it. Um, and then you start to do something else and you lose your identity, which you were so great at. Rebecca Brunson has always understood what her value is and why she has five rings and has always stayed true. She has, she has improved in so many ways, but she's never left the thing that she's best at. And that's her defense and her rebounding. It's why we've been successful. Yeah, I was I was in the white collar seats How for that, that game last night. I saw you tweet, and those seats. If if you weren't courtside, what do you mean, how did it happen? If you weren't courtside, you were as close. You don't as know you what my get. salary is here. Come on, I'm making must it must be re- really really good. <laughs> Must um, be those were those were the old dark star like Timberwolves seats right. right there. We were uh, we were in the the Lexus Courtside Club. How yes. about this guy? Hello, Dave. everybody. We're here to watch some professional basketball. What do you get in the Lexus Courtside Club? I mean, is it just the seats? Do you get the food and the beverage? What are we talking well, here? Well, you can you can use the in seat app to order whatever you want. Like you can order well, you can order drinks. I actually got yelled at by the the server because it, apparently it's. Because the app is awesome, but you're also then like skirting the the human interaction, and so like the woman came down, and I've and and, and I've seen her before. She's very nice. She's worked at Target Center for a long time. Oh, so you sat in those seats before that? Um, not those seats, but some other seats. <laughs> some other really really good seats that cost a lot of money. You were in three and four I think, before you were in one and two. I think it was on the other side. I think she I think she switched sections. <laughs> and so this awkward Larry David encounter where she comes over to take drink order, whatever, and like kneels down. Can I get you anything? And over her shoulder comes the other guy from the mobile bar and ha- oh, and hands us the drinks. No. <laughs> The timing couldn't have been and, worse. And she goes, "Are you cheating on me right now?" You're like, that guy. We had to use the yeah. app. We had to use the app. She got up and left. You <laughs> know what that back. is? 
That's very Judd and Dave-like. You, you, you elected to go with the app instead of actually dealing with a person. Yeah. Well, she said it was an extra. She goes, you know, it's an extra $3 to order your drink through the app. And I thought about saying, well, when you can afford tickets like this, the $3 doesn't matter. Yes. But it's worth it not to have to talk to you, ma'am. Yeah. Little does she know we ordered uh, those tickets off the secondary market and we weren't we weren't sitting in baller seats because of our status. But sure, right. It is fun to watch basketball from that Whatever. vantage point. I'm sorry, three bucks to make their lives easier by just sending the order in? Well, to make our lives easier. Well, it's making everybody lives. You don't, you're not, well, not forcing the, the wait staff to come and take your order. This is this Dave is, is all right. part of the outsourcing lifestyle. That Twenty bucks from a mowed lawn. Three bucks seems excessive. Are you saying it's excessive? I, I, yeah, I'm I saying it it's ridiculous. I, don't, I can't understand. You're saying it's excessive for like the person paying it. I'm saying I'm not. I'm, I don't understand why there's a charge at all. You're saving them the trip to go visit you to get the order. Right, but you're you're buying. I guess you're buying on-demand convenience. You don't have to wait twenty minutes for a server to come by. So from the consumer's perspective. I pay an extra $3 to get a drink now as opposed to waiting 20 minutes. It feeds into my alcoholism is what I'm saying. I feel like it should be a dollar. Judd, you would love it. I feel like it should be a dollar. I feel like $3 is quite a bit. Well, I paid it, so I don't wait. Even I would have I, dealt with the person, Phil. Even I would have talked to somebody not to have to pay the $3 surcharge. It was, it was a, $3, uh, a $3 avoid human interaction charge. You are more like us than I thought you were. By Congratulations. Way, somebody's already oh, dead we're already, on the pitch. Yep. Oh, minute, hold on. minute and a half into the game. Right, we got Gurney Watch. Wait a second. Gurney Watch 2018. <laughs> yep, it's Gurney Watch. Is that a bone sticking through the sock? No, he's just looking for a yellow card. Yeah, no, actually, it's, he, that's just a shin pad. All right, this is France. Oh, he didn't. What happened? He didn't even it. get hit. I love it when so they, the World Cup. they writhe around in pain, and then when the official comes over to see if they're dead, they stop writhing and just start complaining. Like, yeah. where's the card? Where's the yellow card? Um, can I tell you about the epiphany I had? From these white collar, amazing seats at Target. While Center you were last paying night. excessive fees, yes, yes, sir. Go ahead. So I and and our seats were right across the court from Glenn Taylor. So watching Glenn and his wife and just like two hours of joy, this team that he has helped oversee and put together, and they're they're in the middle of a dynasty. They're on national TV, beating the brakes off the Sparks in the second half, and Candace Parker's getting mad. And I'm just wondering. How in, in the atmosphere, you've got several thousand fans and organized cheers and players are joyful. How can the Lynx and Wolves, with the same owner, be this vastly different? I know it's not a revolutionary question, but like as I'm sitting there last night and I'm watching, and I'm just doing a mental checklist of the, of the differences. Yep. Lynx, in the middle of a, of a near decade-long dynasty, great leadership and structure, uh-huh. In Cheryl Reeve and assistant coaching staff, the players play with joy and passion and cohesion and leadership and communication. You know, on on the court specifically, the players are playing for each other and they're trying to make each other better. And and they and they all know what their role is and they're trying to they share the ball happily with each other. When something goes wrong, instead of rolling their eyes or being dismissive or getting mad at each other or freezing each other out. They communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. And then there's the Timberwolves, mm-hmm. mostly toiling for 15 years. Even when things are going fairly well on the court record-wise, it's a dysfunctional leadership structure. Internal strife, players rolling eyes at each other, players leaking media stories about each other, right? Yep. On the on the court, it looks like five guys, five cabs. What's the old saying? Five guys, five cabs. Five cabs, yes. And, and that's and what the it, head coach is screaming constantly, but without a point, really. 
Right, like, sure it's not that empowerment. It's so yes. So uh, how you, are they so different? You put this question in the prep notes, and I gave it great thought, and I realized it's actually very simple. Glenn, I think, cares about both teams, but when it comes to the links, he either stumbled upon new or somehow got it right. Pre, Is it possible he pre, just stumbled into Cheryl Reeve pre, 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 nine years ago? Pre-Cheryl Reeve. Okay. I went through it this morning. Pre-Cheryl Reeve. The, the Lynx uh, franchise launched in 1999 through 2009 because she came in 2010. Pre-Cheryl, this organization went 152 and 214. They had six coaches during that time. They had three seasons of over 500 during that time, 1999 to 2009. And nine seasons under. Now they so did. They were, they were terrible. Yes, they had Katie Smith early, and, and they found and they found Cheryl Reeve. And I will say this: whoever ran them eventually started to get good draft picks, and was probably wise with with at least some of those picks. After Cheryl Reeve in 2010, she came here in 2010. She didn't make the playoffs her first year. After that, she has made the playoffs every single year. They've won four titles. They've been to the finals and lost twice. They their their worst their worst finish since 2011 is a loss in the conference finals. They are through last night 206 and 63. They are the he, San Antonio he Spurs of the found WNBA. Greg Popovich. Yes. And it might be dumb luck. It might be he actually worked to do it. I don't know. He found Greg Popovich. Did they find Greg Popovich or did they find LeBron James? Both. They found. They I, found which, which is more true, I guess, because Cyril Reeves' first year was thirteen and twenty-one. They draft Maya Moore. All of a sudden, they're twenty-seven and seven. But like you, you could, you could make, both, yeah. you could make a case on any given night. You could make a case that Maya Moore is the best player in the WNBA. Last night, she scored eight points on two of thirteen, and then you could make the case that. Sylvia Fowles and Rebe- like Rebecca you, Brunson. You have the was best absurd. player and the best big, right? You have, I would argue, if you were if you were to make NBA comparisons, you've got Greg Popovich, you've got let's say Kobe Bryant, which is a sort of Maya Moore. She might not have the same demeanor, but that Kobe Bryant type wing player. You've got Tony Parker, Lindsey Whalen. Whalen. Um, you've got Tim Duncan, let's say an MVP caliber big, and then an amazing rebounding title laden. Like you've got. And then, of course, Simone Augustus. I don't know what the comp would be for Simone Augustus. Sure. It is the San San Antonio Spurs with like two or three other amazing comps sprinkled into that roster. They had a generationally great player come to them. But but he did. He did. In this case, he did find a front office mm -hmm. structure and coach who are really damn good. So I'd love to go back and I'd love to know more about that. So Cheryl Reeve for two or three years was Bill Lambeer's lead assistant. Uh, with I want to say the Detroit Shock at the time, and she had maybe two or three years before that with like Indiana. She was a she was a head coach in college at Indiana State. Did Glenn Taylor? Did someone recommend? I'd love to know. Like, did someone recommend her? No, I don't. How know. How did he find Cheryl Reeve? And how maybe maybe the answer is maybe Cheryl Reeve is just the answer for both franchises. But he he. Uh, <laughs> The same man who somehow stumbled upon with the with an assist from Commissioner David Stern, David Kahn. Yeah. The same man who stumbled upon David Kahn, who was one of the biggest disasters in front office history, not for the Wolves, but in the entire NBA, somehow found Cheryl Reeve. Yeah. I don't think Tom Thibodeau is the equivalent to Cheryl Reeve. I don't I don't think that's yeah, I, I it's possible that they win more games, but if is it just a matter of at some point 
whatever whatever the next move is after Tom Thibodeau and Scott Layden that you're just gonna have to get lucky. Like, did he just get lucky? <laughs> I don't know. Or was the there to something? That I don't know. I don't remember. My, my question to Glenn Taylor throughout the last twenty years, and, and he did identify Flip Saunders, and Flip Saunders was a wonderful leader and helped with the, the first eight playoff appearances and helped build what is now a near fifty win team. Like he laid the groundwork for this. So, mm-hmm. so in fairness, he did identify Flip Saunders. But how is it possible that you can identify Flip Saunders and Cheryl Reeve, and like you said, and then also identify David Kahn? And have to and get then, help be, to find then, David and Kahn. And then wonder 12 months in why Tom Thibodeau is the way that he is because you had no idea apparently going into this relationship. It's so baffling to me. I know. And and again, like just to flash back to last night, and they're on national TV, and it's this celebration of seven or eight years. And yeah, it's been kind of an up and down year, but when they engage and they check in... They dominate, and they did get good players. Too. And Glenn, right. Glenn Taylor is is giving a hug to Rebecca Brunson for setting the rebounding record, and he's watching this game with joy. If and you he were found to have a great person, leader, it, boys, if if you you were to have have a person watch watch an entire year of links and say, okay, you are not going to watch Glenn Taylor's NBA team. He owns one, but you can't watch it. Oh. But I'm going to have you watch the links for, for the entire year. And then you you came back and said, okay, after that year, how good do you think his NBA team is? You would probably say they're incredibly well run. You'd have to think They're that, really right? incredibly well run. Yes. Uh, looks like, oh my, is this another Gurney watch here? Oh, yes. Oh, it is. oh it's Gurney. a heavy. Oh, yeah, it's Gurney watch. Oh, and it fell out of Hold on, that's the wrong sounder. There we go. Gurney watch. Get some Peter Griffin too. Snipers have it looks like taken out two French players already in the first nine minutes. I think we're cramping. Are we cramping here? Is that the problem? Uh, no, no, he got he, he got hit. I'll try to stand up. Oh, yes, they are broken. <laughs> I shouldn't say hit, more like bumped. But he did the impressive Neymar roll. He went over like four different times wow. rolling. Well, he grabbed the hamstring immediately as well, which is why I thought he might be yeah. cramped. Yeah, he's fine, though. I feel okay, bad. I, I do feel bad for all the players who do suffer legit injuries, and they have to wait an extra three minutes for someone to come help them, <laughs> like Boy Who Cried Wolf situation. Uh, ten minutes in, no score. Uruguay. <laughs> no France. score? Two two players hurt, though. Yeah. We have two France two, players two, hurt, right? Two dead bodies on the field here. Right. Uh, wondering if they're faking it, still waiting for a yellow card. Kirk Cousins, keep keep on keeping on, man. He he drinks the same glass of motivation every morning for the last five to ten years. Uh, he said some things that we're going to get into when we come back here. Dan Hayes on Twins from The Athletic. Write that down, predictions, at 10 o'clock. Later on, Chris Singleton will join. And actually, Jake DePew, who writes about Twins minor league baseball, and he covers some major league stuff, too, for, uh, uh, for 1500ESPN.com. He caught up with Byron Buxton in Rochester Actually, it might have been in Pawtucket, but out on the East Coast a couple days ago. So we'll get a Byron Buxton update at noon on the show today. And it's Game Show Friday, Mackie and Judd, TCL Broadcast Studio. We now continue with more Mackie and Judd, live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. You like that? You like that? The biggest thing you have to do against Kirk Cousins is you have to do the same kind of formula as Matthew Stafford. You have to confuse him. You have to come to the blind side. So here we're going to see some tape about how, how they got after him. Okay. And you can see here in week one, Fletcher Cox is coming off the edge here. You're going to see him come and beat the right tackle. He's able to get pressure on him, get the ball out. They're able to get it. Kirk Cousins has his eyes down the field, able to come from the blind side. And here's Timmy Jernigan, same game. He's going to come inside on a nice inside move. He's able to get his arm over the top. 
You see Cousins here going for the play fake. Has his eyes downfield. Jernigan's able to get the sack. That's what you have to do. You have to get on Kirk Cousins quick. You got to confuse him, and that's how people are successful against. I feel like that's uh, that's Corey Wooten for NFL Network. I feel like that's fairly evergreen advice for how to fluster a quarterback. So you get after him from the blind side. Yeah, you get you got to get after him and confuse him. You got to do it quick. Quickly. I want to see the quarterback. Don't get on him quick. You got to wait. Just all right. Yeah. Take about eight seconds. Delayed just rush. hang out there, and then boom. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so so blindside, so so send a two hundred seventy five pound truck yes. that runs a four five forty. Send ar- Fletcher around, Cox. Yep, around you know Aaron Donald on a you know on a stunt, oh. and uh, make sure that he gets there within like two seconds. And it's weird. That's so. the same way you beat Stafford. It is. It's weird. So I don't you know, beat not Tom Brady though. Like not that, huh? Tom Brady. He'll you'll bounce Rogers? right. Rogers? How about Rogers? Tom Brady's a ten second guy. You actually <laughs> just have to sit there cross legged for a little while. He gets bored. You play some duck duck gray duck, and then boom, you go. Yeah, because he's a little older, so after about seven seconds, the field starts to blur. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he can't stare at things. <laughs> he for has quite to put his, his cheaters on. <laughs> oh my God, here comes a guy! <laughs> uh, Kirk Cousins to the Athletic. Ch- Chad Graff wrote about Kirk Cousins, and and I'm just going to read. You found this quote here, and I'm just going to read this, and you can be the first to react here, Judd. So he's talking about motivation and going into the season, and he said, "I see it as there are still doubters." I see it as there are just as many people who don't think it was a good idea to bring me in. Cousins relayed a story he heard about some guys on a golf course in the Twin Cities debating the team's <laughs> signing of him. I'm, try- I'm going to pause it right here. Was he on a golf course and overheard a conversation? Or did like tell. someone tell him, like, I was, I was golfing over at Como the other day. I mean, are we talking about a country? Believe this guy. Are we talking about a country club here? I'm had- picturing him hiding in the bushes. Just waiting for people to walk by. Say something about me. Say something about me. I Kirk you. Cousins, Hater Watch 2018. <laughs> He's just, hey, what do you guys think of Kirk Cousins? <laughs> that guy's a joke, huh? Someone, one of these random guys on the golf course, according to The Athletic. Why, one asked, would the Vikings go spend so much money on Cousins when Case Keenum helped the team go 13-3 and last year and could have been had for less money? Why would they spend so much on Cousins, a quarterback who has lost more NFL games than he's won? Quote from Cousins, that makes you realize there are still lots of people who are doubting who are going to say, why'd they bring him in? So I don't think the narrative really changes for me. Yes, I've climbed one mountain. So yes, relative to previous circumstances, we're further along. But with where I'm at, there's still more mountains to climb and people saying you can't climb those mountains. Can we go back to the golf course, please, for a second? Can we go? So, so uh, this, that's I, deep. I want to know though, is he saying that he came across his friend who was at a country club and his friend just happened to be walking by this foursome and they're like, a Kirk Cousins. You leave this guy. Kirk million? Cousins is terrible. How could you sign Kirk Cousins? I want to know the golf course story. Maybe it was at the Vikings media event. It was Collar. <laughs> oh, it it might have been Collar and Cronin. It was, it was, it was <laughs> Courtney and Matthew. He's not that good. Someone walked by a live taping of the Purple Podcast on the fourth hole. <laughs> You believe what that guy said? It's crazy. Yeah. Um, He's does go- he just like wake up in the morning and find random pictures of right. tr- Twitter troll accounts and put them on the mirror? Like Rocky and if, like Ivan Drago's picture crumples a picture of Skull Guy 73. I get what he's doing here, but I I honestly want to know, is there, are there a lot of, of fans, Vikings fans, who feel th- this way about him? Because I... I know that there is a certain faction that liked Case, and that's fine. But I haven't heard talk like this 
that much. Now, now Collar brings up some points about that, that can be questioned about Kirk, but I haven't heard this clamoring of this was a bad. I think, I think the way that we've discussed this move is how it's perceived by most, which is Keenum had a great year. It's thought to be probably a pop up year. He's going to he's going to not be the same quarterback in 2018. So you, it's not that you went and found a Hall of Fame QB. But you went and gave a fully guaranteed three-year contract to a quarterback who you think, and you might be right, was the best out there. I don't sense this whole thing of, and I I know what Kirk is doing. I just think it's going to have to change to, hey, I, I'm accept I'm accepting the fact that I finally got a contract that I have been trying to get for a long time, and now there's just pressure. So I disagree with you a little bit, and that I do think, and sometimes you know, we're taking the temperature of of a, a minority group hardcore sports fan who interacts on social media or email or or in person whatever like i i get that sometimes we're not taking the temperature of all of the fan base or casual fans but i do still hear a lot of questions rightfully so about kirk cousins and how good is he and look how much money the what 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 that group can't get past is how much money he makes relative to other quarterbacks and where he ranks if you were to rank all 32 quarterbacks but the vikings the Vikings aren't paying him the second most of any quarterback in league. Correct me if I'm wrong. Matt Ryan signed a contract that makes him the highest paid quarterback, I believe, like two yeah, months ago. Right. Yep, I think right after. So when Cousins, Cousins signed, he was the highest paid. Well, Garoppolo he signed, he was the highest paid quarterback. And then Cousins was, yes. And then Cousins, and then I think But it's a Matt fully Ryan. guaranteed contract. But, but here's where people are having a hard time. Oh, he's the second highest paid quarterback, but he's not the second best quarterback. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, like, wait a second, I have to go down... There's for sure 10 quarterbacks better than he is. The Vikings didn't pay him in accordance with where he would rank on the quarterback list. They're hedging against the other options. The Vikings are looking at their roster saying, we can win a Super Bowl right now. This defense is the best in the NFL in the regular season. We've got these great skill position players. We've got a coaching staff we love. A head coach who's ready to push this thing over the edge. The last thing we can afford is a colossal disaster at quarterback. Teddy Bridgewater's knee could be a colossal disaster. Case Keenum had five horrible seasons mostly before this pop-up, maybe borderline MVP vote season, but we know that his floor is disaster. So they're just they're basically paying $10 million more as a hedge against the worst-case scenario. Absolutely, yes. That's that so they're paying a tax on certainty. They're paying a tax on availability. That's now, what they did. I, I sense tremendous pressure here because of that. I don't sense this whole thing of, well, he can't do it or he's going to fail. Or, see, he's always, Kirk has always thrived, as Chad's, uh, Chad's story goes into detail, he's always thrived on being the guy that people are like, you're not that good. Michigan State, Nick Foles is going to start. You're not going to play. And him thinking, I'm not going to play. And and listen, for a long, long time, that has worked as a platform for, for him to use and and succeed after he gets that. But in this case, I think it goes back to what you just said, which is there's a lot of pressure there and there's a huge contract there. But I don't think a lot of people are saying it's not going to work or you're not going to play well. And and there are going to be questions anytime you sign a quarterback to a contract like this, unless you're Brady, there's going going to be questions, which I think are, are entirely fair. I just want to know how long Cousins can use this. And and as Collar said on the show, too, and this is a really, really interesting point, what happens the first time Zim 
rips him. Because well, Zim, well, Zimmer can't help himself. Well, that's okay. We'll put that on the shelf for a second. To answer your, your first question, how long can he continue to use the doubter angle, even though he's been he's been paid like a top quarterback and as long as social media exists, you're always going to be able to find doubters, right? It's so much easier to find any type of reaction now that you're just connected to millions of people opening up your if phone. If you seek it out, yeah. So you, if you go through your at replies on Instagram or Twitter and, you're, and you have that many followers and you're that high profile and you make that much money, you could scroll through. And this is, I'm sure this is what a lot of athletes do. You, I, I'm sure, well, think about this. LeBron James is one of the greatest athletes in the history of our country. And the, and if he scrolls through his at replies or or his just if he were to search his name on social media, thirty to fifty percent of the reaction would be negative, and he is one of the greats of all time. Kirk Cousins is like the twelfth best quarterback, maybe fourteenth depending on the season, maybe ninth right, if he has a right good year, there. and and, is, right and is overpaid. And people are going to tell him about it. It's really easy for him to search through, scroll through for five minutes, and find five guys named uh, like Packer guy, green and gold seventy three. To rip him, I don't think there has to be a ton of pressure on him. And pressure is all like just made up and relative. And uh, but so I, I say that knowing that pressure is kind of a meme. But he doesn't have to do anything other than what he did his best couple seasons in Washington. You want you don't want last year's Kirk Cousins, but last year he didn't have really the weapons were injured. I think Jordan Reed was injured. He didn't have uh, what's his name wide receiver who uh, um, who went to San Francisco. So. If he just performs at the same level he did basically the first two years as a starter in Washington, that's probably good enough to get the if the Vikings defense plays well and, and no one gets hurt, that's good enough to put you right back where you were before. Just don't have the same pick six that Case Keenum had to throw the game off. I really don't think the pressure is oh now that you're paid the second most of any quarterback now you have to be the second best quarterback. No, that's that's but the pressure on the pressure on, on the entire team that starts with with him is there for sure. I want to. I guess what I'd like to see is a transformation here eventually of a guy going and and taking this job and taking control, and and being a guy who exudes complete confidence without saying there's there are doubters on a golf course that are clearly not there probably <laughs> that you are actually making stories I, up. I'll bet that conversation happened. I bet there's like four Vikings fans, five Bud Lights deep on but, a golf. But if you're going to be the guy here for quite some time, what I'd like to see from him is just a natural confidence of, yeah, I'm the guy. I'm not good. I'm not good. But, do, but I don't do, need doubters. But here's the reality. He doesn't know that he is yet. He doesn't. Well, and that's what I said, the transformation. When, when you say the guy, do you mean a guy who is a starting quarterback? I mean a guy that's who's going he, to be a, a a very good quarterback in this league and the starting quarterback for this team for an extended period of time. This is all about, like, we can move the goalposts anywhere. Because if I'm on that golf course, let's say I'm one of those four guys on the golf course, okay? And in my mind, I'm thinking, man, he's getting paid like Aaron Rodgers. He ain't Aaron Rodgers. If you're Kirk Cousins, you know that you're not Aaron Rodgers. You'd like to be Aaron Rodgers. You're striving to become one of the five best quarterbacks in the NFL. So there might be a little insecurity, which is totally natural. I definitely think there is, yeah. Like, oh, man, now I'm getting, and I, it's like a self-fulfilling thing for him. And I would like to see that morph into exuding a confidence that, that your teammates look at you and say, you know what, this guy, this guy at least exudes the confidence of, of having full control. Yeah. Well, you know that Tom Brady probably still wakes up every morning and thinks about, guys thir- thir- well, yes, There's no. Three guys that, lost no, a golf that, course. That he thinks like 32 teams, including my own, passed on me for five rounds. And that still pisses him off 
18 years later. And I don't mind, and I, I actually applaud internally using that. What I what I'd like to see here is a shift in the in the public persona that Cousins puts out away from away from what he's doing now. If he wants to use this privately, that's fine. But I would just like to see. I think top quarterbacks exude a confidence publicly that is different than this. Yes, and, well, and it could take of, some time. Of course, they do because they've already achieved these things like that, MVP and awards. I, that's and, why I use the term morph. I'd like to see it morph from being a guy talking about four guys on a on a golf course who doubt him to saying, I know that I'm the guy who's going to have success here. But those four guys on the golf course are correct. They are correct. Like he's, And that's why I said morph. I'd like to see it's not going to happen in one day. But eventually, I think if he starts to have success, what he has to what he has to know is that I think you you want to paint a picture for your teammates that's one of confidence. Good for him though for coming up with the most creative way to cultivate doubters and haters, right? Oh yeah, like he's, third, he's good at third hand conversation on a golf course. Like he's Mary good at have been it, drinks involved. Uh, Dan Hayes covers the Twins for the Athletic. He's a weekly guest on our show. We're gonna jo- he's gonna join us when we come back, and we're gonna try and dissect this thing. Hey, they're back on the winning track though, baby. Aaron Slager. Yeah, I watched the game last night. We're all very excited. New ace of the me rotation. And, me and the folks at Fox Sports North. And uh, we are following Gurney Watch 2018. It looks like there have been uh, three players writhing around in pain in this Uruguay France game, and we're only in the 28th minute. So can we get to 10? Can we get to 10 Gurneys? Well, there hasn't been an actual gurney yet, but yeah, maybe one gurney. We'll start with one gurney. We'll Ma- be close. Mackie and Judd. Mackie, Judd Zolgad. It's one of the funniest things that ever happened in sports. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are talking twins. Now, with a man who's in the clubhouse covering the team every day. Beat writer for The Athletic, Dan Hayes. Courtesy of Prime Mortgage Lending of Bloomington. Home is where your story begins. Kepler with a diving catch in short right field. Nice. And Kay makes a great catch up against the wall in center field. Dozier going back and makes a nice catch with his back to the infield. All right, let's get him in here. Dan Hayes from The Athletic. Uh, are you doing a live chat today, sir? I am, yes. It's a busy day. Big time. Tell people about it. Where can they where can they chat with you this morning? Uh, today, eleven o'clock at the Athletic. We'll just uh, take some some twins questions for about an hour, and uh, you know, see what we can answer awesome. and, and solve the world's problems. Yes, exactly. Well, I'm going to start the live chat off an hour and a half early with with this one. Are the twins in a position? Do you think where they could start getting value in in dump trades here, and uh, and start that process with? three to four weeks before the deadline, or is it going to be a matter of the market's just going to creep to July 31st and you're going to have to play the waiting game? I mean, I think that probably there's a, there's a, probably a market right now for somebody like uh, Eduardo Escobar, but it's going to take, it's going to take some time. I mean, that, that, that is going to be a tough trade to make just because everybody loves him. But um, I mean, he's so valuable that, you know, teams should probably think that, you know, there's more than one of them. I mean, and, and they should move on it. Zach Duke probably has a market right now. He's a lefty reliever who's effective and breathing. Um, and, and, <laughs> yeah. But, but you know, with a lot of guys, it's going to take some time. I think teams want to see what Dozier's going to do. Um, I, I, you know, and the teams that want him probably are the, the guys that are already in the playoffs, I think. Um, teams that, you know, kind of feel good about their – their chances. I know the Dodgers have struggled, but the Dodgers have to think that they're pretty good contenders. 
the Red Sox are, are in for sure. Um, they could use second-base help. And I, I would imagine that those kind of teams want to evaluate the market because, you know, Scooter Jeanette from the, the Reds has a year left and will cost more, but he's hitting way better than Brian Dozier. And can Brian Dozier show what he is? Um, it, it might take a little bit of time. So I, I think for the most part we'll see creep into the deadline, but there's a few pieces that potentially are, are uh, attractive earlier and, and the market might heat up just because – the level of competition. Hey Dan, with the the fact that there are so m- many bad teams this year as well, how much does that potentially hurt the Twins? Because you've got you've got this group of really good teams, uh, but you you've also got this large group of bad teams, teams tanking, and so how much or how much more difficult will it be to make trades based on the fact that the market could be flooded with those guys? Yeah, I think it does, but I do think the Twins go in with a little bit better inventory overall, just because. They were attempting to win, and a lot of these teams that were tanking might just have a piece. The Twins probably have like six or seven or eight pieces that they possibly would move. Um, and and that's the one area that might help them is that if they were to, say, attach Zach Duke to Eduardo Escobar. You know, Zach Duke might only bring in um, the number 10 ranked prospect in a, in a system, but if you add, add him to Eduardo Escobar, you might get a, a better return, even though both guys are rentals. So I think that helps them that they can help solve multiple uh, issues for a team if they if uh, somebody came calling for sure. you know a relief pitcher and a utility guy and you know they they can do a few things but absolutely i mean there are 16 teams right now at least that that know they're not going anywhere and and so 16 teams are flooding the market with their guys and Dave Dombrowski indicated that uh to the Red Sox reporters a, a couple weeks ago that there just seems to be more guys out there, you know, and, and teams are willing to make their moves now. So uh, that that does hurt any opportunity to kind of move guys. Dozier-wise, sir, are you seeing an, any positives there? Uh, because he, he always has that great half, but his at-bats right now still look really, really weak to me. You know, it hasn't been very consistent at all. Um, it, the, the one thing that... I have seen as I, I thought the defense has been pretty pretty solid and at times really good, um, which you know that it, it's clear the efforts there uh, you you can see that but but the bats just haven't been consistent where there'll be a couple in one day where it, it looks good and then the next day it's it's back again. I mean he just hasn't been himself um, and and you wonder if the walk here is playing a role in that obviously. He would have liked to have stayed here, um, would have liked long-term. Uh, seems disappointed that that's not there, but at the same time is, is committed to playing hard. It's just, it's just not happening right now. Dan Hayes with us from The Athletic. Uh, he's doing a live chat at 11 o'clock this morning if you want to check it out. What did you think uh, when, when you, you talked to Brian a, a week back or so, and he gave you uh, a, what I would call a cryptic comment <laughs> about there's something else at work here. I don't want to talk about it right now. but And, and it came off as an excuse to me, but could you, could you give me your gut or your best guess? Is he talking about something off the field? Is he talking about the walk year? Because there's definitely something that, that he wanted to tell you, and he just stopped short. Yeah, I, my guess is that, you know, it was it was uh, revealed in the spring that there, there had been no extension talks whatsoever. And, you know, analyzing it, talking to some of the other reporters, my, my thought is that he probably just, he approached the team and was willing to sit down and probably didn't get a response from them. And I'm sure that was a... 
that that's just you know it's it's totally hypothesizing here but it wouldn't surprise me if that's what it was was that he wanted to sit down they didn't um you just look at the situation from their perspective going into the spring they have potentially nick gordon as a replacement you know you've got escobar who could potentially be moved there if Dozier's gone, um, if they wanted to sign him. I'm guessing the Twins looked at their spot and said, look, it's not the right time right now. I mean, look at the the free agent market this last year and, and what guys thought they were going to get and what a lot of guys ended up getting. And Brian Dozier is going to be a free agent in a stacked class. I mean, it, it is an absolute stacked free agent class. So you figure that the big guys will get paid, but there might be a couple guys that slip and the value isn't there. And, I would think the Twins probably thought the best time potentially to get him was next year when he found out what his market is, and it probably is different than what he thought his market might be a year ago. Yeah. Um, and and so I, I think that it's probably just disappointment ranging from that, honestly. I, I there, there definitely could be more. <laughs> There's no question. It was a very cryptic quote. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, a lot of times, I mean, he, he's been here his entire career. He wants to stay here or he wanted to stay here, and, and there was nothing done about it. And I, I wonder how much that played into it. Yeah. Um, uh, Paul, so it's, I, Paul Mahler, I want to ask you about him. And I, I, I do think I'll preface it by saying we overrate as baseball fans, and I think the general baseball fan populace tends to overrate a manager's influence positively and negatively on wins and losses, where if a team pops up like the Twins did last year, oh my God, Paul Molitor, manager of the year. But if a team uh, underperforms 90 losses, oh, you know, fire the manager. And, and usually the answer is somewhere in between. So with that preface, what are your thoughts on Paul Molitor? Have you talked to people who have evaluated him in the organization? Do we know where he stands right now? I, I think he's on uh, good terms. I mean, I, I just can't see them saying that everything that's happened as far as, I mean, look, if you if you told anybody that this team was not going to have Sano, Buxton, uh, Irv Santana, uh, Polanco, and, you know, Maurer missed a month there, if you said that you're taking those five guys away, and I think it's somewhere now where it's about 320 games collectively between the grouping, and, and you said you're taking that, even if you added those players on, you're, you're subtracting from five of what, your best seven players, um, war, wins above replacement-wise. Yeah. I, I, I don't see that being put on, and, you know, blamed on uh, him. He's got a contract. He just got that extension. I just can't see that being kind of the reason they would make a move this year. Um, as, in terms of preparation, uh, you know, I, I've been through – Four managerial staffs in my in my twelve years. This is by far the most prepared. They have all the information. They have guys on that staff who know how to disseminate it well. They have a, a coaching staff that really looks like they're close to players. Um, I, I just don't see this being a a coaching staff issue, a managerial issue. Um, you know, he yeah. from what I've talked to from people internally, he's a really good motivator. He's a guy who's always upbeat on the bench, even though he he doesn't reflect a whole lot of like you you can't tell you, you know you, you just look at him on the bench and you you can't tell um happy or sad doesn't show a whole lot of emotion and and i actually think that in that way that's a that's a good thing i mean guys even keels what you want i don't you know a lot of people want fiery but fiery only works for so long and sometimes you need fiery to motivate a group but 
when you've got a group with a lineup that's been playing with, you know, five guys who are 240 or below, um, and, and and there's a couple guys that necessarily wouldn't be here unless we had the, the injuries that we've seen here and, and the guys that have been demoted, I, I think that, you know, that, that stuff is just too overwhelming that they've had to deal with um, and, and really has sunk them. Yeah. Are they in a hurry to uh, to bring Buxton and or Snow back in the next, like by the end of July in your mind? Or, or do, you, I, I, do you think this is much later in the summer for those guys? Well, I think if they both can consistently show what they need to do, and, and, and that means Miguel Snow goes on a tear with some power involved. Um, it, the progress that he's made sounds pretty good. I mean, it, it sounds like he's committed to what they've done. You know, that includes the... The nutritionist portion of it, the the consistent, you know, getting his legs strong. I mean, that that part has been huge. Is the getting the legs back under him, because he he just isn't hitting pitches on the inner half. He wasn't hitting pitches on the outer half. Everything they used to punish, you know, was coming off his bat six miles an hour less in exit velocity, seven miles an hour. It, so major differences, and and I think that. He gets where they want him to be, and, and he's taken to it. Um, with Buxton, you know, he's healthy, so that's good. And I think that when he shows that he the, – the changes that they've tried to make with the offensive side, when he can kind of adapt and use those consistently at the plate, and that means, you know, not tinkering, changing it, I think that's when he comes back. So if, if they both come – like if they both put runs of a week together where they, where they can do that, they'll be back. Um, you know, if that's right now, if that's after the all-star break, you know, that, that kind of remains to be seen. Um, but it, it's definitely, there's a commitment to getting it right from the twins too, before they're going to rush them. And obviously with the season where it is, there's no kind of timeline that really matters at this point because they know that they're, they're selling, they're out of it. So it's not like you want to mess that up. You want to get that right. Yeah, uh, Dan Hayes. He does an awesome job covering the Twins for the Athletic, and you can you can do a live chat with him in about an hour and fifteen minutes on theAthletic.com, the the Twins page. So check it out, and we'll catch up again next week, Dan. See you, man. See you, Dan. All right, guys. Thanks. All right, great stuff. Yeah, he just does. He's super level headed. He's covered the White Sox. He's been in the division for a while, and he does a great job just putting things into perspective. Yes, he does. Very good job. Uh, there is one potential hurdle here as we look for trade partners for the Twins. And by the way, we have another oh, man down here. Oh, this might be here. serious. We have another. This might be a dislocated this doesn't kneecap look good. This here. This looks Gurney like a torn ACL. Gurney watch 2018. Oh, oh no, he's arguing. Oh, he's fine. He's, he's up and arguing. He's up. Up. Yep, yep. Oh my. Oh, that is just. <laughs> it was self-inflicted. Boy. Yeah. What does he want a yellow card himself? Uh, France ah. scored a goal, by the way. France is up one nothing, and Uruguay had an open net ah. whiff. Yeah. The guy missed the entire net oh. wide open on a rebound chance. Wasn't your boy Suarez, was it? Never. No. Suarez would never. Oh, just making sure. He was busy biting someone in the corner. <laughs> pretty sure. Uh, all right. is, I think there are five guys now. Oh, because all the, others are, turf. all the others have passed who away. Who have crumbled to the turf. No, with guys who have gone down and then gotten right up and been like, I'm fine now. Okay. I didn't get a yellow, so that's fine. Pretty good. Didn't draw one. Uh, write that down in 15 minutes, but a couple more notes on potential Twins trades when we come. Mackie and Judd are back. All right, people, let's get ready. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. And 1500 ESPN has your chance to win your way into the X Games. Check out the 1500 ESPN stream player. 
And listen on air for ticket giveaways. X Games Minneapolis returns to U.S. Bank Stadium July 19th through the 22nd, featuring competition from the greatest action sports athletes, musical performances by Cascade, Brother Ali, Ice Cube, and Zed, plus X-Fest and the X-Fest Interactive Village. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. Thank you, Dave. Here's, here's one thing that might hurt the Twins in the next few weeks going up to the trade deadline. So every team's going to look for pitching, right? Like you'll, you should be able to unload Zach Duke, Fernando Rodney. If you want to trade Kyle Gibson, if there's a team looking for a mid-rotation starter. Lance Lynn you could probably trade. Yeah, you're not going to get a lot for him because no, he's not going to start in a playoff game for a really good team. But Somebody would take him, I think. The, but, but the most value you would think because Brian Dozier, if he starts to do anything in the next couple of weeks to show teams, oh yeah, hey, that 35 home run guy, is he's here and he'll be here for the rest of the season. Escobar's been slumping lately. His batting average has dropped like 30 points in the last few Since weeks. Since he got hit against Boston. Yeah, but you know he's still valuable, plays a bunch of positions. So I think their position players are definitely the most valuable if you were to just go up and down the roster. Here's the issue. I don't think you're going to find many trade partners in the American League and then you'd have to turn to the national. Like you might have a full league that you can't trade with, because the playoff field is basically set in the American League. The Yankees and the Red Sox are 15 games clear of anybody else in that division in the East. They're in. The Indians are 11 and a half games clear. They're in, and unlikely to give you a bunch of top prospects in the division. It's a little bit harder to pull that off in the middle of the season. Sure. Astros and Mariners are nine games ahead of the competition. In the West, so they're those are the five playoff teams, unless Oakland or the Angels, and the Angels are now thirteen and a half back in the division and behind Oakland. Oakland's actually having a, Oakland's nine games over five hundred. I know they are, yeah. and they, and they have basically no chance of making the playoffs. Yes. Okay, so let's just look at the American League for trade partners. Well, the Red Sox, their roster is pretty set. I think anyone would trade for a pitcher, but if you're looking to trade Dozier or Escobar specifically, and they don't have a lot to give either. Correct. Um, you could make a case that Eduardo Nunez is is dropping off, and maybe they'd make a move in that regard. Uh, but again, I don't know if you're going to get the Red Sox they to bite Dozier, yes. on a top top set of prospects or 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 the best package. Mm-hmm. The Astros are just a machine now. Carlos Correa is their starting shortstop, young stud. He's on the disabled list. He's had some back issues, but he'll be back at some point. Otherwise, their infield: Alex Bregman locked in, Jose Altuve locked in. Uh, Guriel locked in, 300 hitter. Yankees, Didi Gregorius locked in at short. Miguel Andujar is having a, a big season for them at third base. Uh, Gliber Torres is on the disabled list, but when he's healthy, that guy has a 900 OPS. First base is the position in question, maybe for the Yankees, because Greg Bird was hurt for the first part of the season. Uh, Mariners, Robinson Cano suspended and out for the playoffs too. Mm-hmm. They have D Gordon playing second base again. Could mm-hmm. they, could they be interested in an infielder and move D Gordon back I to center field where he was? Don't think so. And maybe I, if, if they were, you you wouldn't get much again. I guess my point is, it's a lot harder in the middle of the season to find trade partners for like for a second baseman Brian yep. Dozier than it would be in the off season when there might be five or ten teams looking. In the National League, you've you've got some some potential options though: Brewers, Cubs, Cardinals, still. And in the East, you've got the uh, Braves, Phillies, and if the National. The, the Nationals are a weird team. I can't, I can't f- figure out if they're about to go in the tank completely or actually compete. 
uh, Dodgers and Diamondbacks in, in the West. So I think if you're going to make trades, it would have to be with the National League. Now, that yeah. being said, what's interesting here is the fact, though, that you're going to have so many teams that very, very soon are going to flood the market with potential trades, diluting diluting yeah. your guys. Yes, including like Mike Moustakis with the Royals. In fact, there's yeah. rumors that the Yankees want Mike Moustakis to play first base for them. So obviously, like even if you got to the point where, first base hey, Joe Maurer is like back on track, hitting a little bit. Who would you rather have at first base if you're the Yankees? Would you rather have the defense of Joe Maurer or would you rather have the bat of Mike Moustakis? Even though Mike Moustakis, I don't even know. Like this, he's has he played first base? Is he playing first base for the Royals at all? I don't think he is. The third baseman. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, there are enough teams in the National League that think they have a chance. You mentioned the Nationals, even though they're 500, they're only six back in their division, and uh, and only I think like a, a handful of games back in the wild card. It's just much more scrunched. There are right now in the National League one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams within six games of their division lead. And the American League's nothing like that. No, <laughs> and that's the beauty of the new wild card format too. Is that the National League? Most of the teams in the National League. Minus the Padres and like the Marlins and the Mets and a couple others in the in the Central, think that they have a chance to make the playoffs. Therefore, might be willing to give you something for an Eduardo Escobar, absolutely, or something like that. So I don't know. I think if es- God, this is a bad time for Escobar to be slumping. Yeah, because imagine if he were still well, I, I red think hot going into the month of July. I think he's clearly hurt. But you can't DL him because then you can't trade I know, him, right? I know. That's why you got to go to Boston in late July and get retribution. That's what you got to do. <laughs> Mookie Betts going to eat some dirt at Fenway Park. You think that's going to happen? I saw you predicted that's a write that, that, write that down. That down. That, that's a write that down. All I know is that there was no reason to come in high and tight on Eski that day. It was lame. He was your hottest player. It was lame. And you're the Twins and you're having a bad year. If you're the Red Sox, well, why? Just leave, leave the poor twins alone. Yeah, there Just should beat up be on them and leave town. You're not. That's not the Yankees. There should almost be a rule. Like, come on. Like, if a team is that bad and that down and out on their luck, don't plunk their best player. Yeah, it's the one hot player on their team, and you decide what Porcello decides to basically yeah. try to hit, hit the poor guy in the head. One one quick word before we write that down on the Oakland Athletics. This team that we always make fun of, and people like, oh, money. How's Moneyball working now? That team is forty eight and thirty nine. Can you name? Four players on the Oakland A's roster. I don't even know if I could, and I play like deep league fantasy baseball. Four Can players? you name four players on the Oakland A's? I don't think I can. Can you name any players on the Oakland A's? Hatterberg's still with them, right? Yeah, <laughs> he's still grinding out. At <laughs> oh, you know who's really yep. good? Reggie Jackson. Yeah. In right field. <laughs> Sal Bando at third base. Yeah, he's awesome. Camp Ricky Anderson still stealing bases, making snap catches in left field. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. That's a heck of a team. Bash Brothers. Name one player. Can you name one Oakland A? I can this name is not to crap on you. I'm just I like, can it's a, name, to highlight a point. I can name you more A's broadcasters than players. <laughs> Ray Fossey, the former catcher who got rolled over, bowled over by Pete Rose in the 70 All-Star game, I believe is still the uh, TV <laughs> analyst for the A's. I can give you more Oakland A's broadcasters. <laughs> like, they have a closer named Blake Trainin, who has a .84 ERA and 22 saves the guy has allowed four runs in 42 innings so far this year. Blake Trenin. Trenin. All righty. You should own him in your deep fantasy league. I'm in cell mode. Are, I'm in oh, cell what mode. happened? I thought, I, you were just, doing really, I thought you had a great roster. There's two or three teams that are uncatchable, and I'd rather, instead of like finishing fourth in the money, I want to win next year. Yeah. I want to be like the Giants every other year. Rebuild one year, reload the Are next. you trading right now? I'm open for business. Oh, yeah. 
See, the, this is what with the Twins. This is exactly it. Everything Open must go. Business, Everything must go. I just traded Francisco Lindor a couple weeks ago and felt really, really bad about it. But I hope you, know you got what? a lot of good top prospects. Vlad back Guerrero in that deal. Jr. back in it, baby. Oh, did you really? Oh, yeah. Okay, that's a good yeah. deal. Well, well, we'll talk more about my fantasy team for a couple segments here, or we can do write that down predictions. Let's do write that down.